joy, peace, tranquility, vibrancy, and wellness. Isn't this what you want instead of constant stress? That's what host Rochelle Lawson is going to help you with on Blissful Living. There are many ways to reduce stress, some you may not even know about. Doesn't a little peace and tranquility sound like just what you've been looking for? Relax for a few minutes with Rochelle. She's the queen of feeling fabulous. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Blissful Living. I am Rochelle Marie, the queen of feeling fabulous, your host. And today, we're going to receive some information about how we can take a path away from fear, embrace the love within us, and live in power. I'm sorry. We're going to... Um, let, me mess, let me just start all over. Okay. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Welcome to Blissful Living. I am Rochelle Marie, the queen of feeling fabulous, your host. And today, we're going to receive some wonderful information from my guest, and I'll tell you who she is in just a minute. We're going to find out how to take the path away from fear, embrace our power, and live in love. And as you know, when you do this, you can absolutely live without any stress in your life. And so today's guest is Susan Gowdy, and she is going to enlighten us about this. Now, let me tell you a little bit about Susan. Susan's many years of study and pursuit of spiritual growth and learning are featured in a new book that she has out, and one of her goals is to help the universe to be a better place. Now, doesn't that sound yummy? Uh, She enjoys taking care of herself through exercise and nutrition, but most of all, she loves spending time with her family. And how she came about in this wonderful work that she's going to explain to us today is um, she's had some things that happened to her that um, kind of made life changes for her. And so she wants to share her wisdom with us as to how we can, again, you know, take the path away from fear, embrace our power, and live in love. So let me welcome Susan Gowdy. Am I saying your last name right, Susan? Yes, you're saying it perfect. <laughs> oh, perfect. So welcome to Blissful Living, Susan. And I just want to jump in because I know you have this wonderful book, and the book, you guys, uh, listeners out there, is called The Journey from Fear to Love. Um, it's shorter than you think. And I know that when we are faced with fearful things in our life, that can create a tremendous amount of stress. And you know this stress, uh, this show is all about helping you all to reduce or eliminate stress from all aspects of our lives. And many times we think it's having it to do with our personal relationships, work, um, you know, financial, but there are other things that actually create and evoke stress within us that we are not even aware of. And so that's why it was wonderful to have Susan step up and say yes to being a guest on today's show because she's got to share some wonderful information with us. And so, Susan, what I want to do is just jump right in and say um, this, this, you know, journey or this path of bliss, as I like to call it, that we're living, a lot of times we are embarking on something new, and a lot of times when we don't know what's ahead of us, it can create fear. How do you how do how do people end up living in this fear? Can you give us some enlightenment on that? Well, most often um, it it is something that they have no idea where it came from, and it, it's something from their past that they haven't dealt with. 
Um, but the most frequent way that people end up living in fear is it's, it starts from the, where they grew up, the environment they grew up in. It's something that they learned at a very young age. Um, so if they were living in an environment, for example, where there was uh, fear around money or um, something like that, then they're going to grow up with this fear regarding money. And they may not even know that they have it because when children are very young, before the age of six, they're, they're just kind of downloading everything that they're, they're absorbing it and they're, they're picking that up and that becomes a way that they think and a way that they live. Um, and so they grow up their whole life with these fears. The fear could be um, money. It could be something, you know, it could be from in the, in the home or it could be something from a teacher, like if they had a coach that told them they weren't any good at a sport or they, they weren't very physically able to do these things. And they grow up with a fear that they're not physically capable of things and but it's not like you remember that that kind of that goes into the subconscious it's like a you get that message really young and then you just grow up with these fears that you have created without any knowledge whatsoever and then as you're getting older those creep into your life and you, you start to question you know why am I doing things the way I'm doing them so like for me having a trauma at a very young age, I mean, I was it was before I was even three. I I I remembered the trauma, but when I was 19 was when I really started to figure out what was going on with me, why I was behaving certain ways, why I was had this horrible fear of the dark, um, a fear of certain people, you know, a look or or a voice or a you know something, and. Um, like I said, I didn't even realize until I was about 19 that I had created a lot of fears. And they showed up as like almost OCD-type behaviors. Mm-hmm. I had rituals and things that I had created, simple things. But, you know, now I understand why I created those things. That so, what, so what you're saying is that a lot of times this fear is developed um, even before we really remember um, what something that happens in our lives when we're children or just seeing a pattern of what's happening and how the adults around us handle certain things. And we internalize it, not realizing that's what we're doing because we're just kids. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, as everyone knows, um, children learn from their environment. And so that's why it's so important to, you know, as a parent or adult that's around kids to monitor what you're doing in that environment that the children are seeing. But, a lot of times, I guess you're saying that this thing this starts at a, a young age, and then sometimes it often doesn't surface until many years later, and and people often have a difficult time uh, tying the two together, or don't realize that the two are even related. Is that what I'm hearing? Yes, and 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 part of it is because you're still in that environment for you know most of us until we're about 18 or whatever, and so you that becomes that's just the way things are done. That's just you know, it's you've been trained. That's the way it is. And you don't see it as a fear. But when you step out on your own and you become independent and, you you know, friends and different people start saying, that's really weird that why are you doing this or what's the – or even for me it was I was in college and taking a class and I realized, oh, I was having flashbacks and I was having different things happen from this old fear that just, like, it never went away. But Dr. Bruce Lipton would say it could even go even further back than that. He, um, when he does his presentations, he'll show a slide of a pregnant woman with the baby in the womb, and he shows what happens when the baby's in the womb and there's an argument going on between the, the father and the mother. 
and you literally see the the fetus jump. The it just moves and jumps in fear and curls up, and it, so it could start that far back while you're wow. before you're even born. So it depends on you know what's happening in that environment, and they they've showed that like with children that are adopted in completely different. You know, one stays in the home maybe and one goes to a different environment, maybe an aunt and uncle's house or something like that. Um, and because the environments are totally different, they could be identical twins and and be completely different personalities just right. because their environment is different that they're growing up in. You know, I also know um, that sometimes um, that happens uh, by the way people process things um, you know, you can have identical twins actually living in the same household, and by how they process what's happening to them um, can really affect how they experience whatever's happening and then how they react to it. Um, I know a couple of people that, you know, have shared their story with me about that, and um, it's amazing that we're so, I mean, the thing is we're all unique, and that's a beautiful thing, but um, to have this fear that we don't even know where it comes from at, you know, such an early age, um, such a precursor as we walk down our path to bliss on how we handle things, challenges and things that come up in our lives um, can be quite, you know, confounding for some people and, and quite traumatizing and, and, and actually, again, quite fearful because they don't really know where it's coming from, Um or how to deal with it. And I know you mentioned that you had a trauma that happened to you at a very young age. Um, and, and, you know, again, it didn't, some of the things didn't manifest. So you didn't realize that things were manifesting in this, quote, unquote, fear-based way until you were like 18, 19 years old in college. How, um, how, did, you, um, how did you work with what, what was coming up for you at that point in time? How did you recognize what was happening and then kind of work through that? Well, I think I was I was really lucky, and I'm, I think I chose the path I chose on purpose um, subconsciously. I, I, I chose the path to go into a healing type of um, work, and I went into I was studying social work and I was minoring in psychology, and so I was I mean I kind of put myself right into the middle of it. Um, because I think I've been on a healing path since I was really young. And I was taking classes in college, and they had a course that was on flashbacks. And I had had a reoccurring nightmare from the time I was very young. I mean, it would wake me up, and I would be blood-curdling screams. My husband remembers those. And it was the same nightmare every single time. And I, I recognized when they started talking about flashbacks that, I was I would have flashbacks or uh, that nightmare was kind of a flashback and then I would also have flashbacks during the day of things. If I saw something, I it would trigger a memory and it, it would I would go into a panic, uh you know, a deep fear, hyperventilating, feeling like I couldn't breathe. Um so that was what made me very aware that there's something going on here and I also physically was in so much pain at 19, I could barely walk a straight line. I was you know, I walked crooked, my back, my shoulder, everything hurt. And I really thought, am I dying? What's wrong with me? I'm too young to feel this way. Like, it felt like my body was falling apart. And I saw a um, chiropractor at that time um, where I was in school, and he told me, you have the back of a 50-year-old woman, and you're 19. And that was for me, too. I I wanted to feel well. So that's when I really started to dig deeper 
and try to figure out why is this happening? Because it didn't that you know that's not normal for a 19 year old who's perfectly healthy otherwise. What's going on with me? So and the nightmare and all those things that I wanted to, you know, that's what I'm. That's you know once you get out of your home and you become independent, that's where you can start to make decisions on how do I want my life to be. And I wanted my life to change and be healthier and more fun and enjoying it, not suffering so much. I want to ask you, at any point in time when you were, you know, realizing what was happening or connecting the dots, so to speak, um, did it create additional stress for you to becoming aware of this or did it give you a sense of freedom that you were becoming aware of what was happening and why? I think initially it created more stress because now I had to um, deal with the memories and I had to deal with you know, how that made me feel and um, you know, all of that. I had to kind of unbury some things. So that created more stress, but I, I, I knew, like I said, I think I was lucky because of the classes I was taking. I knew that, that was I needed to do it that I needed to unbury all of it so that I could move on and have the life that I wanted to have, which didn't include any of that fear. <laughs> I wanted to get rid of that. Um, but I do think a lot of That's people... That's Yeah, thank you. Um, a lot of people will stay in fear, though, oftentimes. And and I, I guess if I look back on it, I could see where I might have been doing some of that, you know, when I was younger, um, maybe drinking a little too much. I, I never, you know, became an alcoholic or anything, but probably, you know, as a young person in college or whatever, I'd probably use that as a as a way to feel better. And some of those things, and some people keep doing those things. They they do become an alcoholic or they overeat right. or they get into drugs or, you know, even sleeping way too much, and that would be definitely a sign of depression if they're just always sleeping so many hours and others do it with busyness they they say i'm an a-type personality but if they can't slow down and quiet their minds and just relax ever you have to kind of wonder well what are you trying to keep from really facing or dealing with or you know or they may do a combination of all of them so i i think i was just very lucky that i i we had some insights at a young age. That's 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 what you said. All of that is so true, especially being in college, where uh, you know you're exposed to quote unquote a new sense of freedom mm-hmm. to do what you want to do when you want to do it, who you want to do it with, so to speak. And there's no one restricting you from really anything. And you know, if you have something surfacing that you're not really sure what it is, or you're not ready to deal with it or you just don't understand it and just are not ready to handle it, these other behaviors can develop. And in a sense, you're you're basically trying to dull the pain because you're not ready to deal with the stuff, so to speak, that's surfacing. Um, now, what does the journey from fear to love mean to you? Because, you know, we, we're, we're going to shift into a more, I guess, loving, happy you know, wonderful outlook on things. And if any of you listeners are out there and if any of you can relate to having any kind of fear or anything that's surfacing for you, you're going to really want to pay attention to this next segment or this next part here because we're going to shift from the, try to shift from the the negative stuff and the heavy stuff to more of the, 
embracing the power and the love and living in that aspect. So I'm just going to let Susan answer that question as to what does the journey from fear to love mean for her? Well, I, I wrote the book. It came out of the trauma, but that's not what the book is about. The book is about um, how, to, how I healed from it, not being a victim, and becoming empowered. It's a very straightforward, I'm, I, I try to make it light and funny, but I'm very blunt and straightforward. And it's, it, it's really about what we just talked about. When you're out on your own and you have that independence and you have the ability to make decisions and you're no longer a child under the roof of your parents' home anymore and you're stepped out, um, you, it's taking your power back and deciding how I want my life to be. Um, I think... For me, part of what helped me also is I'm I'm one of five children, but I'm the only girl, and I'm the youngest. So for me, I always felt like I was different anyway. <laughs> so I, you know, I, I I didn't have to, I could be different. I could be, you know, the black sheep, or whatever you want to call it. But I could do that. And for some people, it's harder. If, you know, if you had all girls in the family, for example, trying to separate yourself from that. And do that, but if once you move out of the home, then you you have the ability and you have the freedom and you have the choices. And when I did counseling, um, I would always let the person come in for their first session, and I called it their bitch session, and said, put it on the table because I was counseling adults who were no longer living with mom and dad, and they were on their own. And so I would say, okay, tell me everything. Blame me. Blame it on whoever it is you're going to blame it on. Tell me, you know, whose fault. All the you know, all the stuff you want to tell me. But after mm-hmm. this session, when you come in the next time, you're how old? And they were, you know, at least 25, 30, 40s. Mm-hmm. And where do you live? And, you know, establishing that they were independent and no longer under that roof anymore. And so they didn't have to behave the way they did there. They could make a choice to change. And that's where we started. We started from there and moved forward. So... so- so basically what you allow, I mean, I guess you're saying like the first step was to just allow um, allow the stuff, so to speak, to just come out right. and recognize it, not to really judge it or hold on to it or analyze it, but just to let it come out free-flowing and kind of like a purge, I guess, or a detox, just to yes. let it all out. And, and then at that point in time, the next time or the next step, so to speak, would be to move forward, but not to go back and dwell on the stuff you just purged. Because yeah, no rehashing. Yeah, and, and so I think that's beautiful because I know a lot of people would love to do that, but then they get stuck in the the realm of, um, you know, rehashing it again or, you know, let it resurface in. And it's like, no, 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 You've all, we've already done that. Now let's mm-hmm. move forward because now there's something much more brighter out there for you and um and you just need to let that go let that like that balloon you just need to let the balloon go up in the air and be happy with it so that you can get another balloon that's even more prettier or something <laughs> yeah exactly so now a flowery balloon <laughs> yeah exactly with my, or, or or better yet a balloon bouquet you know? <laughs> yes <laughs> one that takes you with them <laughs> Exactly, to the places you want to go and not yeah. where, you want, where you were. That's, I love that. 
Now, um, um, I, I think your book is just, is just you know, beautiful. I've read, um, I've read some excerpts of it, and um, I, I think it's just really, really beautiful. And, again, you guys listening, we're going to share with you all about how you can get her book and where you can, you know, find the book and how if you want to really reach out and touch Susan and, you know, work with her, learn more about whatever it is that you just really want to connect with her. We'll share with we'll share we will share that with you. No, I'm tongue twisted today. Uh, we will share that with you um, in a little while. But I also I just want to take this time now and ask you, Susan, what are the some of the techniques you practice to live closer to love than fear? Because again, you know, you talked about the purging and stuff, and you know, we always have those people that want to grab back onto that stuff, but. What are some other things that, you know, um, you do or you practice um, to help you to live closer to that, you know, to that love, that beautiful light versus that darkness that you left behind? Well, you know, you, we have to all remember that we did start, we are human. We're living as humans on this planet. We started out, though, as spiritually, and we are always spiritual. That never goes away. That's still in us. But because we are living as humans, we have to allow ourselves to be human and not beat ourselves up all the time. Sometimes we go a little bit backwards toward fear and we you know, figure out how to move back toward love again. But it's okay if you go back a little. You, you can use some tools and techniques to help, your, help yourself turn around and go in the other direction. And so another one that I use is, um, I, I didn't even know it had a title. It's something I've just used forever. But many people have said it's called the mirror technique. So it's another kind of purging, but it's, it's when you're having one of those days where you just feel like I'm, I'm spiraling down and I'm not heading in the direction of love and, uh, and I don't even know what's going on or why it's happening because you just can't pinpoint it. I, my children know, my family knows, leave me alone if I go in my bathroom and I shut the door. I have two mirrors in there, large mirrors, and I will allow myself to go in if I really feel like I need to just lose it. And I'll lose it while I'm in there. It doesn't happen very frequently anymore, but I will lose it in the in the space where there's mirrors. And it also echoes because it's a tile floor bathroom. So I can hear myself. I can see myself. I can see what I look like. It's not pretty. I can hear what I sound like. It doesn't sound nice. And it immediately starts because I've because I don't like that anymore at all. I don't like to feel bad. It immediately I start to turn it around. Cause, and I do self-talk, and I start to think about what I'm in appreciation for, and I start to bring myself back and head into the direction of love. Um, and anything I, it, The first thing I can do in that situation, first thing, one of the easiest, is to just stop and think of something you're in appreciation for. And it might be something as simple as, I have a roof over my head and food on my table. Or it might be your dog, your pet. Um, it might be, you know, look out the window, is the sun shining? Something, you know, quick that will start to remind you that, you know, you're really okay and things aren't that bad. Now, the next step, if you're having one of those moments, you're going to have to try to figure out, well, where did that come from? And you have, the book is, you know, the, it's shorter than you think. So your thoughts play a lot in this, but you can't keep track of every thought you have every second of the day because we have so many but you can stop and go back and go okay what was I feel how am I feeling first of all and then you can start to think well what was I thinking prior to that what would what did I think about before I went to bed last night if you wake up in the morning like that 
um, what was I thinking this morning? What kind of going back and doing a review of what was I thinking about, and and then changing those thoughts as you figure out, oh, I was you know having a negative thought about money, or I was thinking about you know my spouse and I was upset with that, or something that happened, and and then you can start practicing changing those thoughts and getting yourself present and focused in the moment and and being okay with yourself. Um, no, those are, I mean, those are some some great tips and techniques, and, and we'll come back to um, some, you know, some more of that. But I, I just want to ask you at this point, I just thought of this question, and um, I know people come to you and you've worked with people, you know, and you've helped them. And for a lot of people... Um, they have a fear um, of, I guess, the unknown, so to speak. What would you say is, or what what do you find that is people's most biggest fear in moving forward? Even though you've given them, you know, you've worked with them and you've given them tools and techniques to help them, what would you say that once you've done some of that stuff with them, what would you say is their biggest fear in moving forward? Honestly, I, I think the biggest fear for anybody is their own power, the power that they hold within themselves. It's, you know, it can be pretty scary. I remember when I realized I, I had the power within myself to change my life, have more control over it, be accountable for it, all of those things. And at first I was elated and I thought, oh, freedom and wow, this is great. And then afterwards I thought, oh, crap. That means I can't blame anyone else for anything. I can no longer be a victim. I can't blame mom and dad, my husband, my children. God knows I have plenty of reasons to blame them, <laughs> and I can't do that. So I think it's the power that we hold within our within ourselves that we really fear because it's it's a, it's it makes you completely 100% accountable. Once you realize you have that, you can't put it off on anyone else. And it is a scary thing because you've become familiar with the way that you do your life and how things are. Um, and, and you might, you know, kind of be stuck in that rut of the victimhood or the drama or whatever it is. It's letting go of the familiar, the comfortable, even if it's not healthy, it's familiar and it's comfortable. So letting go of that and then saying, oh, I'm completely responsible for this. And, and that's, that can be kind of scary, but when you've, go back to the first thought of it's freeing and it's empowering and wow, I can change my life then. You know, if, if, my, if I've created what I have, that means I can also recreate it and I can change it. So it's like um, it, it, I, I think that's the biggest fear and I don't think we even know that. But like my Angelo said, I believe in living a poetic life, an artful life. Everything we do is part of a larger canvas we mm-hmm. are creating. And so it is like that. We've created this larger canvas. Mm-hmm. We can wipe that clean anytime we want, and we can restart. But I think it's, you know, that feeling of it's just the way I've always done it. And, and if yeah. you have to do something different or do it new, <laughs> it, right. that's pretty scary. It's like, I don't know. I don't want to let go of my you know, vices and my my routines and my habits and my all those yeah. things. The things you're comfortable with, even though they're not even though they're not good, 
you're comfortable with them because it's just been a routine for so long. Hold, yeah. hold that phone. And you guys listening out there, hold on, because now it's time for me to recognize one of our sponsors. And the sponsor that I want to recognize at this moment is called 21 Drops. And 21 Drops is a modern essential oil company. And they believe that essential oils are the root of it all, benefiting the mind, the body, and the spirit. And they believe that when these highly fragrant and concentrated molecules are extracted from the various parts of the plants, such as the leaves, the fruit, the wood, the seeds, and the flowers, that they they represent a part of the plant's critical systems of their immune system and their survival mechanisms. And because plants and man have evolved alongside each other with the same chemistry for many, many years, once we humans uh, either absorb or inhale these beautiful essential oils into our bloodstream, they interact with our bodies creating balance and wellness. And that is one of the principles behind the science of aromatherapy. Now at 21 Drops, they source all their essential oils from organically grown herbs or plants that are collected from all over the globe. The result is some beautifully, most highly effective, purest, therapeutic grade of essential oils. And what they do is they take these highly therapeutic, uh, pure forms of essential oils and fuse them together and create customized solutions to answer many things such as from headache to heartache. And they also believe that when they capture the power of these pure essential oils, they're capturing the power of the essence of the oil for our therapeutic purposes. That, they believe, empowers us to feel better and be better. Now, 21 Drops has a a unique palette for their customized blends, and they believe that the the customized blends that they create are comprised of hard-working adaptogens that combine and target various aspects within our body to create a sense, again, of balance and wellness within us. Now, all of their oils are 100% organic or wild-crafted, and again, they're sourced from all over the globe. So if you're looking for a particular essential oil that you've had a difficulty finding or you're looking for for a customized blend that may be anything from headache to heartache, I highly suggest that you check out 21 Drops. And you can find them at 21drops.com. That's the number 21, the word drops with an S, dot com. And now let's get back to Susan. Now, Susan, we were talking about the power aspect and, and you know, um, engaging into that, that realm of um, the conversation. And you you gave us, you know, what you think people's, you know, one of the biggest fears that people have is embracing that and stepping into their power. And even though they may have been uncomfortable with things, but it's, They've been uncomfortable being comfortable, so to speak, or comfortable being uncomfortable. Exactly. What would you, yeah, what would you say to someone that is really ready to embrace their power but not quite able to let go of their uncomfortable ability, uncomfortability with the fear that they're having? What, what would you say to that person? They need to take it slow. I, I mean, it's not something that you can just let go of every the way you've been, the person you are, just immediately for some people they can't do that. 
Um, you know, we were talking about the different techniques and things, and those all sound really nice. There's a lot of different things we can do, you know, finding an anchoring thought, meditation. There's a whole lot of things. But unless they're really ready for change, which that's a huge point, you can't force anyone. You can't make them do this. Um, it's got to be their choice. They have to be ready. For me, I was sick and tired of being sick and tired, so I went and got help other than um just talking to someone or doing some of the techniques that we've talked about, I went and got help and I went and worked with someone who did hands-on healing techniques. And that was really easy. They got to the underlying stuff at the subconscious level. There wasn't a lot of talk involved. It wasn't invasive. It was very simple. And, And that brought the things up for me so that I could then go home and work on it on my own time and my own way and deal with what was going on. But it also cleared a lot of that gunk out. It cleared out of the subconscious, so it was no longer an issue for me either. So some that works really well for a lot of people. That's often what they need. But, again, if they're not ready for it and you, like, almost force them into go and do a, a best technique or psyche and best is bioenergetic synchronization technique. It's a hands-on healing, very easy, and it does exactly what I just described. But if I've seen people go and do these techniques because someone made them do it, and they come out and they feel so much better, and they're like a totally different person for about a month. They feel great, and then they they never want to go and do this again. Because it changed them so drastically, it scared uh-huh. the crud out of them. <laughs> they didn't uh-huh. know what to do with who they were anymore. And even people around them were saying, I don't know them. They're totally different. I mean, they could, the switch can happen that fast that you wow. just change. And if you're not ready for it, you're going to revert backwards. So the best thing to do is to be the example for for the person. I mean, if they see you having this happy, wonderful life like you and I know about, mm-hmm. and they see you enjoying yourself and having fun and you're always upbeat and good things happen and all of those things happen for you, they're going to eventually say, now, how do you do that? Or where did you even begin? Or what, you know, then they may be more open to mm. these types of techniques that are going to have dramatic effects on them. They really do have dramatic effects. I mean, when you, I went... You know, you- you said something that was really, really great, and I and um, you said that to take it slow, and that the person really has to be ready for it, and it's kind of like the person that um, is the alcoholic or the the person addicted to drugs, and they go through these programs because they're being forced to do it, and they feel really good while they're clean and sober, so to speak, clean and or sober. And then they get back out and, you know, and they everything they see everything in a different light because they are clean and sober, but then they slip back into their old ways and their old patterns. And, exactly. and then you know, and you ask them, it's like, Why did you do that? You were doing so well, you looked great, you said you felt good but they weren't really ready because it was something that was being forced upon them versus the person that has, you know, basically hit the bottom and are really, really ready, and they take the initiative mm-hmm. to, you know, get themselves together, and then they come out. And it's almost like, and it could be the same person that does this many, many times that go through this force program or so to speak and come out, and then finally when they're ready, when, they, when they're when they truly ready, you see them 
and they stand to stand in so much power and light than they did before when they were clean and sober the many times before. This, this time when they're ready and they take the initiative, it's so different. And so I can see that happening with someone that's ready to embrace their power and embrace themselves because they're ready and they're no, they're, even though they may have done it before because it was forced, this time they're ready. And so they're not, they're not acting on a, say, fear-based type of thing, they're acting for more of love, whereas before it was more fear-based, I better do this because X, Y, Z. And so mm-hmm. I see you said that, and, and then you said to take it slow because these behaviors that these people develop, or all of us, they didn't happen overnight. So right. it's not going to clear up overnight. You know, it's not going to yeah, clear They're ingrained in you. <laughs> yeah, and so I thought that was beautiful, and I just wanted to emphasize that for the listeners that, you know, if you're out there and you're having challenges, and I like to call them challenges because we all have them, but if you're out there and you're having challenges like what we're discussing today, just know to take it slow and take the one time, you know, we used to play a game when I was a kid called Mother May I, and Mm -hmm. you would say, Mother May I, can I take one giant step or can I take one baby step? It's okay to take the baby step. You don't need to jump from L.A. to San Francisco in one step. You can jump from L.A. to Long Beach to, you know, you can. It's you know, about you can the journey, it. right? It's not about the destination. So Exactly. And, exactly. and you know, the uh, David Hawkins book, Power Versus Force, if you're familiar with that. I mean, uh-huh. you, anytime you try to force someone, uh, okay, take a kid, for example, or remember when you were a child, you can't force a teenager because if you push one way, they're going to push back. I mean, that's a natural human instinct to, mm-hmm. you know, try that. In, their, in that way, they're taking their power back. So you have to give people choices, and you have to, you can't, you can't cram it down their throat. And when I was doing counseling, uh, that was very clear when I was doing talk, talk therapy counseling. Um, that that wasn't going to work alone for most people because they did start to use it as a place to come and just continue to vent and then continue their victimhood. And I introduced hands-on healing techniques. And I can tell you I had clients that had been in counseling for years, and when we introduced the hands-on healing technique, they made changes in three sessions. And they were changing, completely changing. the way. But they were obviously, you know, they were in counseling. So not all of them were there because they were really ready because some of them just wanted that person to continue to listen to them. But mm-hmm. some were obviously ready and frustrated that they weren't making the progress they wanted to in counseling. Once we introduced some hands-on and it went deep and went into the subconscious and it was easy and it just pulled stuff up and they realized, because that is empowering, that came from within their own being. All of this stuff came out from them. So then it's like, look, all I'm doing is facilitating you're doing the work because you allowed it to come out, you recognized it, you resonated with it, and then you did something about it. But just it clears out enough with this work that they can do something about it. They feel more ready, more empowered. But trying to force somebody, you just, I mean, I, I get that question a lot, like what's the magic thing that you can say to someone to get them to turn around and have the life that you have? You can't. You just need to set that example, be there, and and be available if they want answers. You know, if they ask for the information, offer it to them, but don't try to force it on them because it won't work. 
I love that. Thank you once again for emphasizing that because um, I think that's really important. I think a lot of times people bypass that information or that those words of wisdom um, because they're just looking for the you know the quick fix. And I'm sorry, mm-hmm. the quick fix it doesn't work, and nor, nor does it last. No. And so um, I, I love that. And 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 what you're sharing is just absolutely beautiful. And I know it's gonna you know help some people that are really really ready to uh, let go of their fear and and really know that they have power within them and it's okay to embrace it. Just take it slowly and, and take those baby steps and you can, you can too live in love. And so now I want to shift to the love part and ask you, um, how did you come about yourself and help and, and helping others to live in love? How did you, um, how did you discover that living in love it's much more beautiful than, you know, living in fear. I mean, I know that sounds like a really silly question because it's like, really, Rochelle, Marie, uh, <laughs> you know, who wouldn't want to live in love? But, again, things sometimes are so simple, but just because they're simple, they're complex and they're not easy. And so how did you embrace that that living in love and um, and continue to do it to this day? Well, I started to see how my life started to change once I started living in love and and the first thing, I mean you have to love yourself before you can love anyone else. It's the most important thing. Like my Angelo says I do not trust people who don't love themselves and yet tell me I love you. She says there's an old African saying which is be careful when a naked person offers you a shirt. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean it, it always starts with you, right? And um when you start doing that, that's the real living in love, is loving yourself first, taking care of yourself. When I, when my children were younger, I can give you an example. Um, I, I have four children, and I remember with all the moms would be standing around after, you know, picking up kids from preschool or whatever, and they would be complaining and, and, and uh, about how they just had no time for themselves and all. That's, that was a choice they made. And I would step up and be like, oh, well, I did a workout and I did this and I did that. And it was all that I was taking care of myself. I did my, my exercise. I have always eaten well. I've always taken time for myself even when my children were little. I'd put them in the bouncy seat and get on my treadmill, and they'd take their nap. It was a good <laughs> deal. It worked really well. And a I lot of these relate to that because I yeah. do that too. And people yeah, think, well, how do you do it? And it's like, if I don't take care of myself first, I can't take care of anybody else. Right. I right? can't be a good mom. I can't be there for them. You can't be, you know, available because you're exhausted and you haven't given yourself any love. So I would do those types of things. And I remember these women's looks, some of them were like, what? I mean, I don't, how do you, almost like they were angry with me for being able to find the time to do that. (laughs) It's like, I'm really sorry. So I didn't have conversations with a lot of the women anymore because I apparently was doing something. It was, I wasn't, I couldn't join their little club because I wasn't a part of that group. I was doing it differently. Um, right. You know, I, and I, I never did exchange babysitting and that kind of stuff because what I saw a lot, and this was just in my area, it isn't always this way, but I was living where I had no relatives. So, and you'd see a lot where the mom, would, then it would be like, well, you owe me, you owe me. You, and the pressure <laughs> was like, whoa. So oh, I, yeah. yeah, I found other ways and I, I made sure my, I, I made sure my kids were taken care of, but if I had to, I paid for it. 
I did what I needed to do that way. I didn't owe anyone anything. And, um, I mean, I think moms in particular, we forget to take care of ourselves first. And, you know, that's been passed down from generation to generation that we're supposed to suffer through it. Well, bull, (laughs) I don't want to suffer through it. That's a bunch of baloney. So you don't have to. And I agree agree with you, too. That is a bunch of... Yeah. <laughs> well, luckily we're in 2013, and I think most moms have gotten that message, So, um, which is a great thing to see. But there's still a few out there that think, you know, they're supposed to be sweating through this. And there's a way to, to do it so that you don't have to. I mean, you have to get a little organized maybe, but you definitely get your time in to take care of yourself first, and then the rest of the day goes so much better. Um, and, and it, what I saw was my friendships changed. I had healthier people showing up in my life. Um, my, my, my circumstances, my financial circumstances, my, my personal relationship with my husband, everything got better when I felt better, when I was loving myself first. I mean, because you're putting out that energy, you know, what you put out, you're going to get back. So if you're loving your... Yeah, Say so that part again. Everything what, got better when you did what? When I loved myself first. Yes. When, because what you put out, you're going to get right back. So if you're loving yourself, of course that's what you're going to get back from other people. So, I mean, it, it always starts with you. It, 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 it's just, you just have to go within and take care of you first. That is that. What you just said right there is, I would say, the golden nuggets because there are so many people and and I come across them um you know as a health and wellness professional and expert I come across them um that think that they're loving themselves by putting themselves last and taking care of everyone first and then they you know they're the ones that are suffering from stress related illnesses they're the ones that have problems with their weight they're the ones that are prone to diabetes high blood pressure you know cardiac disease all kind of maladies that um, they don't even realize. And to get people to think, and it's it's men too, to get people to think and turn on the switch, turn on the light switch, so to speak, and say, hey, you know, you've got to you've got to take care of your fir- yourself first, so that you can be the best that you want to be for those that you love and care about. And let me tell you why. Sometimes they you just have to break it down for them, and then they or get it, you know, related to them, and, and then they they see. But, you know, it's still a problematic thing in our society, and especially with women because we've been, we've been I don't want to say trained, but inbred. I don't know what the right word is, but we've been, that's just how it's been forever to take care I of everybody. I think train, train's a pretty good word because it's just, yeah. you know, generation after generation we've exactly. seen. Exactly. You know, grandmothers and mothers, and that's why. Exactly, exactly. It's like, well, your grandmother used to do this, and I'm doing this, and how dare you go do this and not? Well, it's like, but, you know, when I do this, look how much more energy and look how good I feel and Mm -hmm. look what's happening in my life. Look at the kids and look at this and look at that. Everything's flowing, right? Yeah, I make it a rule to never say that to my children, to ever. I try really hard not to say, well, when I was a kid, when I, I mean, (laughs) that doesn't relate to where they are now and what's going on with them. I mean, shoot, we can't keep up with their technology. It's nothing like it was when we were growing up. So, um, but the thing on the love that I really wanted to make sure I I said, because it's so important, 
and it follows with what you were just saying, is that, in my opinion, love is the foundation that you build your life on and build what you really want on. That is the only foundation you can build what you really want on because if you don't love yourself first, then everything else you try to build in your life, it will eventually crumble. Like you said, diabetes and different things show up. And the other part of this is that, like earlier we, I was, we were talking about, that we were, we're spiritual before we're human. Well, that spiritual part of us, I mean, I, I don't know what you call it, but I call that God, that God isn't separate from me. God is a part of me. And God is what love is. So how can you not love yourself if God is in you, a part of you? How can you not love yourself? And how you treat yourself will teach everyone else around you how to treat you. That teaches them. Oh, amen, girl. Preach. (laughs) Because it's true. You know, you have these people say, oh, I love God. But if you love God, then you need to love yourself. Because I believe like you, God is within me. You know, mm-hmm. it's 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 my existence, my source of being. So yeah, it, it's just phenomenal. Yeah. So I mean, oftentimes you'll hear someone who thinks they're being a very good Christian, and I mean, there are many Christians that are good Christians or whatever. But if they really understood, I mean, and I have told Christians and talked to people who understand in that way. That's their reference point. That they and it does trigger something for them when they remember. Oh, that's right. God would not want me to treat myself so terribly. If I truly am a child of God, then I should be treating myself well. So, I mean, it relates to, it it doesn't matter, you know, it's if you believe in God or believe in a higher source or that power within you, that spirit, this applies. The universe wants you to treat yourself better. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing that because I, I think that's just a perfect culmination to summon up the, the beauty uh, and the wisdom that you've been sharing with us today. Now, I want you to tell everyone a little bit more about your book because I think it's um, it's it's a great a great gift to oneself and a great gift for you know to give to someone as well. So, can you just share a little bit of you know, some good nuggets about about the book. Well, I wrote it so that anyone could pick it up and understand it and relate to it. It's um, it's a very easy read. It's not very long. Um, and it's it's written kind of like what you and I just did now, like as if I was having a conversation with somebody over coffee. So I'm, I'm talking to the reader as if we're having a conversation. And I use humor and I make it light and funny. It's not threatening. The biggest comments I get is that people say, oh, my gosh, that's me, and they're laughing out loud as they're reading through the book. And it breaks the ice, and it makes it easier for the reader to look at what they really are doing so that they can make the changes that they, they want to make. And and it's it's they're able to laugh at themselves, and and really it opens them up to – be able to really see which parts of their life that they're not happy with or what they want to change and what their contribution, because we're all, you know, this is a cooperative effort. You're not, you can't just blame it on someone else or even on God. It's a cooperative effort. Um, we're energy sources, and we just need to plug ourselves in, the energy source of God or the higher power. Plug yourself into that, that love, and you're going to take off. So. That's beautiful. Now, how can they? How can they? Where's the? Where can they get the book? 
Um, it's on my website, journeyfromfeartolove.com. And it's available as an, also as an ebook, and it's on Barnes and Noble and Amazon. Okay. So, you guys out there listening, so if you've um, if we've touched some sore spots during our conversation, our wonderful chat um, that you want to release, I highly suggest that you go pick up Susan's book. Um, and again, you can get it on her website, which is triple w journey from fear to love dot com or you know you can get it in ebook format if that's what you like to do like you know be on your Kindle your nook your you know electronic reader whatever um or you know you can go to barnes and nobles dot com and or amazon dot com and and get it as well and Susan's information will be posted on the website so if you had to you know step off or you're driving and you're not able to write this information down, lo and behold, um, just, you know, check on the website and and you'll be able to get the information. And, of course, you can always re-listen to the show over and over and over again. And I guarantee that every time you listen to it, you're going to pick out different golden nuggets that's going to fit for you at that moment in time that you need to hear it. Because um, I truly do believe that God gives us the messages that we need to hear. And even though we may be listening to the same conversation, we're going to get different messages that we need to hear it for that particular moment in time in our life that's going to help us travel a little bit easier and smoother down our path to bliss. And as Susan says, um, you know, the path away from fear, allowing you to embrace your power and to live in love. And so, Susan, I just want to thank you for being a guest on the show today and stepping up and, and sharing your wisdom, your love, and your light with all of us. It's been fabulous to have you. And, um, you guys out there listening, again, Susan's information will be all over the website. And just in case you didn't hear, you can go to www.journeyfromfeartolove.com to pick up her book. And how, Susan, if someone wanted to connect with you, possibly to, you know, work with you or explore options or whatever the case may be, how can they do that? Um, they can leave an email on the website also. They can send me a message there. Perfect. So if you guys, if Susan said something to you that is in, in enlightening or it, lighting that spark of light within you that you want to learn know more or take it a little deeper, again, you can go to www.journeyfromfeartolove.com and you can leave her a message and she will get back with you and then, you know, she can possibly help you to just live in love as you travel down your path to bliss. And so at this time, we're coming to a close, and I always hate this part of the show because I, I, I'm, you know, so shy, and I don't like to talk much. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, me neither. Um, as, as you know, we all have things in our life to do, and so it's my honor and my pleasure, and, um, and I just feel so so warm to be able to share my guests with you because they are all phenomenal, and Susan was exceptionally phenomenal today, enlightening us about how we can do things that we need to do to live in love. And so, again, I want to thank Susan for being a guest, and I want to thank all of you for listening to Blissful Living. I enjoyed sharing Susan with you, and our topic was just, I think, so yummy. It may have been a little 
mm, meaty at the beginning, but we we had to get through the meat so that we could get to the love and the light for you guys. Um, I hope you learned a lot, and I hope that what she shared with you is going to make a difference in your day from this moment forward, or rather a difference in your life from this moment forward. Be sure to tune into next week's show um, where there will be another exceptionally fabulous guest because, you know, that's how I roll as the queen of feeling fabulous. And I just want to say I'm Rochelle Marie Lawson, the queen of feeling fabulous, and I'm wishing you peace to your mind, wellness, to your body, and tranquility to your spirit. Until our next time together, may you be well and enjoy your week. Take good care, everyone. You can find out more about Rochelle on her website, Rochelle Lawson, R-O-C-H-E-L-E, Lawson, L-A-W-S-O-N, or at healthhealingwellness.com. Or just click on her websites from the webtalkradio.net page right in front of you. And, of course, you'll want to come right back here next week for another episode of Blissful Living. Thanks for joining us.